listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Good morning. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode 262. So people, that's obviously not Paige on the microphone. Stu, thanks for joining me. (laughs) Hey, thank you very much. Although Paige is a little better looking. (laughs) Yeah, she is. (laughs) But I still love you to death. (laughs) So Stuart Turley, president and CEO of Sandstone Group. Tell our audience a little bit who you are and what you do. Well, I'll tell you, we have a great team. We focus on digital integration in all sense of the businesses. We take data from the oil field to a county. And then we also work on business processes with folks. And I have my own podcast that has been addicting, Mark. So thank you very much for having me on here. Yeah, well, you had me on your show. We'll have you on Oil & Gas this week. You know, like I said, I think almost all Oil & Gas podcasters are one big family. We'll also have a link in the show notes both to Stuart's company and to his podcast. You want to listen, give it a listen. It's actually really good. And speaking of really good, I want to wish a happy belated birthday to Luthwick. His birthday is April 2nd. He's been a big fan of the show forever. So happy birthday, Ludwig. And Stu, looks like we got a review. It's like a five-star review. Oh, we Um, love, hey, five-star reviews. Love those. You bet. It says, love this podcast, five-star review. Quote, the only downside to your podcast is you don't record enough episodes, exclamation point. (laughs) Wow. Love listening to you guys to have to say, as a Canadian living in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, with a husband who's been working in Texas for the last 13 years, it's nice to hear the optimism, re-oil and gas versus the doom and gloom we're facing in Canada over the last several years. Wow. What a great review. Oh, it is. Are, so, they, are they still married? <laughs> and the reason she's in Canada and he's in Texas for the last 13 years. There's a lot of that. There's also a lot of the reverse where people are here in Houston and they're working up in Canada. The oil field in Canada is picking up quickly right now, even though we both have politics okay. we have to deal with. I, I'm, I'm going to say this. It would probably be more with the oil field sands oil coming down if somebody hadn't canceled the Keystone. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. No, our audiences are used to this. <laughs> but let's get into news stories. Oh, you bet. Hey, first out of the block is Occidental to sell net zero oil from the Permian Basin to the Korean refiner. What does this mean, Mark? Yeah, so this is really cool. If you haven't listened to the show, you know that both Occidental and ExxonMobil are building carbon sequestering physical hardware to pull carbon dioxide out of the air. And what's happening is Occidental is actually using that carbon that they're pulling out the air to offset the carbon emissions when they actually produce this oil. They have a Korean buyer for this. Now, let me tell you a couple things. Regardless of what you think about CO2, here is a business opportunity for not only Occidental and not only for the Koreans, but for the world. Stu, I firmly suspect that somewhere in the, in the very near future, when we pull up to a gas pump, not only are we going to have you know, 82 octane, 91, 93, and diesel, right. we'll also have ethanol-free choice, and we're also going to have a net zero CO2 choice, right? Carbon dioxide choice. No way. I think this is where this is going. And so it's going to be really interesting for all the people out there that are screaming about carbon dioxide net zero. Let's see if they pay an extra two pennies or three pennies at the pump for the net zero gasoline that will come from this net zero crude oil. Mark, I absolutely love this idea. I think it's fabulous. But, you know, when you take a look at some really bad things that go out there, I wonder how many people are going to take advantage of it and label it 
Yeah, wrong. so that's the other problem is actually tracking all this, right? right? And it's really cool. Just recently, it's gotten cheap enough. They actually use DNA sampling in the native microbes in the oil, and they can identify where that oil came from. So not only – and if you put that information in something like blockchain, wow. it can't be changed. So not only can you prove this is the right oil, but to your point, you can have the opposite, and you can prove that it's black market oil, and it's not what it's legitimate it's supposed to be. So nice. there's a lot of opportunity there for not only to clean up some corruption and help the environment, but actually to drive revenue. It's a different business model. If people want to pay a little bit more for this net zero gasoline at the pump, it's just another revenue stream for somebody. I think it's great. I think it is too. What we got next, Stu? Okay, we got, you'll miss fossil fuels when they're gone. Boy, that's an interesting one from the Wall Street. Yeah, it's really interesting that we found this in the Wall Street Journal. They're literally talking about what would the world look like without oil and gas. Now, you and I know this, that almost right. everything we use in our modern lifestyle either is made from hydrocarbons or hydrocarbons were involved in logistics. But the common people don't understand that. The other cool thing about this article is they talk about fertilizer. You know, about 60% of the world is fed with fertilizer made from natural gas. But when you look at the cost of fertilizer, about 90% of it is that ammonia that you pull from natural gas. Right. So, so natural gas is a huge component in feeding the world. And I just think this is cool. They went all through this. They talk about all the different things that are involved, that are manufactured from hydrocarbons, all the different ways that hydrocarbons affect the world. And the fact that we have cheap, abundant, reliable energy allows us to do things like have education for people, right. hospitals, schools. And, you know, I usually dog Wall Street Journal a little bit. Hats off to them for publishing a truthful article based upon facts. Right. And, you know, I hate to say this, but old Russia is in the Ukraine war is going to make it even worse. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. We've talked about in the show quite a bit. I really thought, as did most people, as I think Putin also thought, that he was just going to breeze through the Ukraine. Oh, yeah. And the population of Ukraine is refusing to let that happen. And now I think the tide's turning the other way. I saw this morning that actually Germany is actually selling heavy armament to Ukraine. You know how much of a risk that is between the German and Russian relationship? No and Germany way. depends on Russia for their supply of natural gas. Oh. So, yeah, it's not going the way that a lot of people thought. And you know what? I support Ukraine. It's going to be interesting to see how this stuff plays out. Oh, wow. You want to go on to the yeah, next one? Yeah, what's next? Okay. Next around the corner is futures drop as Biden orders release of crude reserves. I'll ask you a question when you're done with this one. Yeah, so this was a marketing effort by our current administration. The amount of crude they put on the market is infantile compared to the, the demand that we need. The other thing is, Stu, that's the strategic oil reserve. That right. is there in case we ever get in a lot of trouble, think war, and we have to be able to fuel a military machine. Stu, it's less than half full. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, now there's a couple of things that people aren't talking about here. One thing is the futures. And if you don't know what a future is, I'm trying to simplify it. Please no hate mail from the finance guys. <laughs> but basically a future is where a buyer and seller agree upon transactions. So the seller is selling, the buyer's buying X amount of oil. It doesn't matter what the X amount of oil is. And they agree that they're going to make that transaction on a certain date. They don't agree upon the price. They just agree on the transaction. That is then becomes a financial model that you can trade like other securities. And so there's this whole future market. And so it's super important. If you don't understand futures, you really don't understand the market side of the upstream side of the industry. But like I said, this is our current administration trying to act like they're trying to lower the price of the pump. It's not going to make a difference. The price of the pump is dropping now, but it will turn around and go back up once the country switches to our summer blend. And then, you know, like I said, this is not a large enough release to make a difference in the price of the pump, but it's a big enough release to reduce our strategic reserves, which as somebody that's very patriotic, this bothers me. So let's hope that as the world keeps producing crude, 
the prices drop on the crude market, which means we can refuel our strategic reserves at a lower price point than what we bought the oil for, which would just be kind of great for everybody. What's your opinion on this? Oh, I think it's a political stunt. Yeah, of course it is. I think it is more harm to the market in the long run and to our country. You nailed it. You absolutely hit it out of the park. In fact, you took my question right away. I'm sorry, Steve. (laughs) Hey, if you want to go on to the next one, this one's from RigZone, who are some super people over there. USA SEC proposes climate disclosure rule. Tell us about that. Ah, This is just a mess. So if you've listened to the show, if you paid attention, we had some issues with some permits that were issued in the Gulf of Mexico by our last administration, some drilling permits. And our current administration had a judge that blocked it, saying that they didn't do enough due diligence on the environmental side of even though the permits were issued, which means they did do enough due diligence. All right. So now the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, is coming out and saying, we think there should be a rule that requires people in the public domain to release exact data about their impact to their environment and to the climate. The problem with that, Stu, is what is climate related data? Climate-related data is things like your CO2 output, yes. Right. But is it also the amount of land you take up with solar cells to, and then all of a sudden that land's topography changes? Right. Is that part of it? Is it the energy you remove from the wind with the windmill that's also affecting the climate? Is that part of it? This is not a place the SEC needs to be playing. This The EPA needs to stay here. And I'm not a big fan of our current EPA administration, but the EPA's core competency is making sure that we keep their environment clean. They do a good job of that more or less. I don't need SEC stepping in here. And I definitely don't need it to start affecting shareholder value. We have enough ESG. And don't get me wrong. I think ESG is fantastic. There's parts of it that our industry needs to get better at. But I don't need the ESG type of metrics affecting shareholder value. Then it's going to hurt everybody, including people like the retirees. Right. right? So this is not a good place. I hope this thing doesn't go through. Our industry, API, the vice president of policy, Frank Macharlo, is like, you know, this sucks. And I agree with Frank. So let's hope that this thing doesn't go through. The SEC needs no more power on the environmental side. Okay, I'm going to ask a political question. Yes, sir. Okay. When you sit back and take a look on the next election cycle, If the Republicans go red and all of a sudden they're in power, do you think the Biden administration is going to go through and legislate through regulations? Yeah, that's exactly what they're going to do. And so I think the Democratic Party, unless something dramatic changes, already lost elections. I think everybody knows that. Right. The problem with the Republican Party is we don't have a strong leader in that party. There's a couple of people I really like. The governor of Florida is probably one of my favorite people out there. But once again, we have to see what happens. But since they've gained a seat on the Supreme Court, and since they more or less know that they're not going to win the next, the midterm elections, they're going to try to do a lot of legislative stuff to hold on to the stuff they've done now, which is wrong. Right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, thanks for that opinion, because that is fantastic. Well, the cool thing about it, if they do a lot of it with executive action, the right. next president can reverse that. Oh, you bet. Okay, we got from hydrocarbonengineering.com, TechNip. Energies and Altera Energy Inc. in agreement. What is this about? So this is all about recycling plastics. Here's the problem with recycling plastics. It's actually most plastics, if you manufacture them with the goal of recycling in mind, it's actually ridiculously easy and very cheap to recycle plastics. But most plastics that we've used up until recently, that hasn't been figured in for most of it. And I know PET is super recycled. Don't give me hate mail over that. 
So this is Technip Energies, which was a spinoff from Technip FMC, and they're actually using an ethylene furnace and steam kraken to clean up this recycled plastic, and then they're going to take this recycled plastic and turn it to something called pure oil, which has actually been trademarked, which means they know there's already a market for it. And this pure oil can be turned into everything to, from new plastics to actually fuel. So this, I just think this is a great approach. You know, the legacy Technip FMC chemistry side, along with their separation business and their measurement business, has come together and work with Altera Energy and said, you know what, by partnering, we can actually not only recycle plastic, which by the way, if when you think about all the plastic waste in the oceans, Stu, you'd be surprised how much of it comes from the US. It's less than 1%. Most of it comes from Africa and China. Wow. Because we have trash infrastructure in place, right? Right. Whereas in China and in Africa, they don't have garbage cans, pickups, landfills. And so what do they do with their garbage? They throw it in the rivers and it ends up in the ocean. So this is just a way for people to take those type of plastics, pull it out the ocean and turn it to something that's valuable. And here's the important part, Stu, they can make money at it. When you make a profit at this, it just continues to go and go and grow and grow and get better and better. You know, Mark, you would not expect that from the press or from the advertising or anything else because you sit back and go, wow. (laughs) Russell just walked in. Hey, Russell. (laughs) So, no, you're 100% right. So I just think this is a good thing, and it's cool that the legacy energies is actually doing this. All right. Hey, next around the corner is BicMagazine.com. They got some good folks on that one. And their article is Mexico's Pemex battles fire at the Salina Cruz refinery. What's up? Yeah, so luckily here, nobody got hurt. So Pemex had an accident happened. It's on the delivery side of a fuel refiner. So basically it was gasoline that caught on fire. We all know how well gasoline actually burns. And so they weren't able to control it at first. They had to bring outside help. Nobody was hurt. They got outside help. And then Stu, basically what they did is they killed the gasoline supply to let the fire burn its way out. And then they're in the process of cleaning up. So it took them about a day, an entire day to get this thing under control. But the good thing is nobody was hurt. And what I hope happens out of this is that this refinery realizes the mistakes they made to allow this to happen, which is probably a human error, and they're able to correct it so this type of thing doesn't happen again in the future. Oh, we like correction of errors. 100%. All right. We got another one coming around the corner here from Bic Magazine, and it's New Fortress Energy files a permit application to deploy its fast LNG solution off the coast of Louisiana. Mark, what's a fast LNG solution? I've never heard of that. So when you bring a, a LNG tanker in, the big LNG tanker, it takes about four days to fill those up, right? So the faster you can fill them up, the quicker you can turn around, offload the LNG, make money, and then repeat the process. This is exactly what this is. This is a way to reduce the loading time by about 50%. And it's the same quality of liquefied natural gas. And so it's cool. The bigger story in here is they actually did it in Louisiana. This originally project was originally looked at in the state of Texas. And the state of Louisiana actually went out and wind. I don't mean wind and dine like illegally. I mean, wind and dine like, hey, we'll give you these tax credits. Hey, we'll give you these other incentives. And Louisiana actually stole this business from Texas, which I love. I like it when states compete over business, right? right? And so Louisiana has deep water ports. They're going to expand the deep water ports. They're going to use this to start offloading LNG. And, you know, the world right now has a shortage of LNG and that shortage is going to continue. So the business just makes total sense to hurry up, get this thing online, get out, start producing LNG, start getting out on the tankers and start supplying the rest of the world, including Europe. Right. right. So Russia has a chokehold on Europe as far as natural gas. We've talked right. about this for a while. How cool is it if we could help eliminate that chokehold? 
Oh, it'd be fantastic. I have never seen tankers about ready to drop off LNG tankers going to Hawaii and turning around and then going to Europe because of the pricing. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. And what's the other thing that's happened that I don't want to get into deep on the show is that because of emission standards, the world's naval fleets are going to have to slow down. That's going to actually right. start next year. So they burn less fuel, which means it's going to take longer to move this LNG. So if you can shorten the loading time and offloading time, you can make up for that lower travel time. Wow. Yeah. No kidding. Okay. Next one coming around is oilmanmagazine.com. ESG efforts to rid the world of fossil fuels will drive humanity back to medieval times. Holy smokes. I almost want to just leave it alone. Like that, that's, <laughs> literally, that's literally all you need to say. We've talked about this a bunch. So as the renewables gain strength here in Europe and then eventually around the world, you start seeing some problems, especially with countries trying to adopt renewables at a fast rate. We're living through it right now. There's not enough energy for the world right now and we're suffering. And the real people that are suffering are the people that are the poorer people. You don't see this in the news, but, you know, India, Africa, China, they're having rolling blackouts now. They can't provide electricity to their people, which means their kids can't go to school, right. which means babies are being born by candlelight in hospitals, Stu. That's scary, right? Uh, yep. And it's not going anywhere. And so this is a really good article. I know this is in Almond Magazine, so of course you would think there's a bias. But this is a really good article talking about What's going to happen if we actually keep down this path, if we keep trying to get away from hydrocarbons and keep trying to run the world on renewables, what's the outcome going to be? And they get into some deep stuff here. They get into currency investments and banks. You know, we have this new infrastructure project our current administration is pushing. They're going to need 400 tons of asphalt and asphalt comes from crude oil. We only can produce 30 tons here in the U.S. Where's all that going to come from? Wow. Right. So there's all kinds of stuff that is going to continue to be worse for mankind if we continue down this route of trying to force renewables at a rate that the market can't take. Right. So, and then the flip side of that is you can burn, you can use hydrocarbons 100% responsibly. We know that. We've done it for years. So just another good article talking about if you look at ESG the wrong way, the outcome isn't good for people. Wow. Wow. And actually, Stu, let me stop right. Let me ask you a question that we didn't even plan this. But when you think of people and you think of nature, do you think mankind is part of nature or not part of nature? Wow. What a great question. Yeah. I think we're part of nature, but we are a very poor steward of our planet. Yeah, agreed. So I think we're part of nature, too. And the reason I asked you that question, that tends to be the dividing point. Did I pass on, the test? Mark? Yeah. That's okay. the dividing point on the ESG stuff. A lot of people that, that think we're destroying the planet thinks that humans are not part of nature, right. that we're different. And unfortunately for those people, we follow the same rule of physics that yep. every other natural thing does. Right. Yep. And so we are part of nature, but to your point, we have a bigger impact to our planet than other natural forms. Right. right. And so we need to be careful that be aware of that. Oh, you bet. Hey, coming around the corner is Reuters. ExxonMobil begins studies for carbon storage hub in Southeast Australia. Boy, that sounds good. Yeah, we've talked about this before. We actually, you and I talked about this a little bit on your show. Yeah. Where ExxonMobil, if you think about all the carbon dioxide that's been captured by mankind, ExxonMobil has done 20% of that. Right. Nobody's even done 2%. There's not another organization that's total has done 2% carbon right. capture. Exxon has done 20% of this, and that's with their facilities here in the U.S. Now they're taking the same technology, the same carbon capture facilities, and they're starting in Australia. Right? Wow. They've gotten great public support by the Australian government and the yep. people. This is going to provide jobs. And then like we talked about on your show, what a lot of people don't understand is that Exxon, who normally buys carbon dioxide, right. 
to put in reservoirs to do well stimulation or reservoir stimulation. Now it's going to get this carbon dioxide free because the taxpayers and the governments are paying for this carbon sequestration. What a business model. What ExxonMobil double hand clap. That was a great idea. And you know, my views on carbon dioxide is that it's, it makes no difference in the swings between ice ages and global warming. But if it does, right. guess who's leading the charge of pulling out the air? Oh, One wow. of the biggest oil and gas companies on the planet. I love it. Right. That is crazy. Crazy cool. Crazy cool. cool. Crazy yeah. cool. Alberta oil field. Okay, Mark, I got to ask a question on this one. Where did this come from? Alberta oil field saves the lives of three kittens. Okay, now that is that ESG or is that... You know uh, what that is? That's just an oil field worker being a good guy. Isn't that great? Yeah, it's a wonderful story. I love this story. This is in here just because it's heartwarming, but it's also a true story. This guy was out. It was freezing cold. It was, I think it was 12 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. And he saw this plastic bag and it moved. And so he went over to it and it was three kittens. And Stu, their fur was frozen to the water in the bag. So you know what he did? He went and got his thermos of coffee and he poured it, let it cool off. And he used it to unfreeze these kittens from this bag. He took these kittens home. He fed them and he found homes for them. This guy was on a shift. This guy was on a 12-hour shift. He did all his work and he saved the three kittens. So I'm just, you know, hats off to Kendall Dewich, who was the guy that saved these kittens in the middle of all this frozen weather. I just think it's an awesome thing. And we don't hear these type of stories from our industry, but it's common. Isn't that great? It's a fantastic story. Mark, I'm going to make a joke, but I'll tell you, it's a good thing PETA wasn't around because they were going to say, why are you putting kittens in your coffee? 100%. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) And no hate mail from PETA. We got another show for that. We we love PETA. Uh, There were no animals harmed in In this recording. (laughs) Speaking of not causing any harm, if you want a cool place to work while you're in Houston for free, go to the Canon. Say you listen to OGGN and they'll give you a free day pass. It's a really cool place. So where we do all of our live events. And then we're not doing the IBM t-shirt anymore, but we do are working on something. Actually, audience, let me know what you would prefer. We have two things we're working on, either an NFT, which would be a collectible NFT from IBM, or an IBM physical coin, like a challenge coin. We haven't decided which one of those two we want to give away. So uh, reach back out to me. Let me know which one of those two you would like. Weekly rig count. Now, Stu, this yep. is the point Paige would have already looked it up. Have you looked it up? No. I've, <laughs> I've been busy doing podcasts and that excuse, but they're going up. Yeah, let's see what the weekly recount is. Uh, and thanks for putting me on the... Uh, okay, <laughs> international, they're 815 and U.S. 695. Boy, I pulled that rabbit out of the hat. Yeah, so it's went up too, which is actually a good number. We like when rigs count goes up, so good. And then poor folk up in Canada lost two. Yeah, that's not good. Although nowadays the rig count isn't directly connected to the production like it used to be. Right. But it's still a nice indicator, still a good number to talk around. Speaking of good stuff to do, go follow us on LinkedIn. Just go to LinkedIn, type in OGGN, whatever pops up, just join it. We have a page, we have a group. Our page is much bigger than the group. It's where you hear about all the stuff we're doing. It's where you would have heard about this conference that Stu and I, we're actually sitting here at Evolve. Big shout out to John with Endeavors for inviting us in the media room recording podcasts. So if you'd like to hear and learn more about that sort of stuff, follow us on social. And then while you're out there, sign up for stuff. Go ahead and go to oilandgasthisweek.com or OGGN.com. There's a place for you to ask a question for First Friday Q&A, which is coming up. Go ahead and ask your question. Remember, folks, the goal is not to stump Paige and I or Stu and I, whoever's on the microphone with me. The goal is to help educate our audiences and we'll give you a big shout out. 
And then finally, if you want to learn about all the oil and gas events that are going on, we have a monthly oil and gas events newsletter. It's 100% free. The link's in the show note. Go sign up for it. We'll put all the oil and gas events and sometimes secret stuff or free tickets in your inbox once a month. It's a good way to stay on top of all that stuff. Then finally, if you want myself or any of our experts to join you at your sales kickoff, at your product launch, if you're doing some type of customer event, just reach out to us. We can do everything from bringing live podcasts to do keynotes. And we love doing that sort of stuff. Stu, thank you so much for filling in for Paige, which by the way, audience, she's fine. She just couldn't make this recording episode, but it was awesome having you join me. You did a really good job. People go to the show notes, find Stu's podcast, subscribe and listen to it. He's doing some really great work out there. Oh, thank you, Mark. And I'll tell you, you are a true industry leader because I am selfish enough. You are on my podcast and the numbers are already going through the roof. That's awesome. Yeah. People love you. And I'm just so grateful to even be here. Thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. All right, folks, remember, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.